Gospels because I really do believe you can put my eight-track ta tape now up. And <laughs> I'd like to never found that eight-track tape. <clears throat> some of you knew exactly what that was, and some of you go, what was that? Last Sunday, when I shared with you between a rock and a hard place, I want you to turn back to Philippians chapter 1, and here's a, a comment that Paul made. He said, for I live, <clears throat> verse 20, Philippians 1, in eager expectation and hope that I never do anything that causes me shame. He went on to say in verse 22, yet I live, which means fruitful service for Christ. You see, Paul knew what it meant to have a desire to live for Jesus. And it had been put to the test but as a result of saying, you know what? I'm saved. I know Jesus. Paul says, now, okay, I want you to understand something. There should be fruitful service going on in your life. Then when we go over to Colossians 3, it's like Paul continues to expound. In verse 25 of Philippians 1, he says, we're able to grow and experience our faith. I might have shared this little poem, but it kind of shares the challenge to our hearts. It says, Lord, help me live from day to day in such a self-forgetful way that even when I kneel to pray, my prayer shall be for others. Let self be crucified and slain, buried deep and all in vain. May efforts, may efforts be to rise again unless to live for others. Others, Lord, yes, others, let this my motto be. Help me to live for others that I may live like thee. Thee being Jesus. You see, what I see happening today is that many of us are just existing. We get up in the morning. We uh, eat breakfast, go off to work, come back that evening, eat supper, watch the news, go to bed, and repeat that in a cycle where we're just existing. We're just living a habitual life of just existing. I happen to believe that there's more to life than just existing. A man in Detroit headed out of the house one day, and it was during the winter time. And in Detroit, you needed every piece of clothing that you possibly could because it's cold there. And he noticed on the way down the road, he forgot his gloves. Now, of course, he probably didn't have this kind of glove, but he decided that, man, he, he didn't want to be cold, so he pulled into a, a store and department store and got him a pair of gloves. But on the way out, he put those clubs, gloves on the car seat and he noticed them. And it's as the Lord began to speak to him and say, those gloves mean nothing if they're just going to lay there. Those gloves won't, they're, they're meaningless. They're, they're listless. They're lifeless. But he said, 
when you put your hand or insert your hand into the glove, all of a sudden, the glove comes alive. And it's be- it becomes usable. It becomes able to accomplish the task that these gloves were made for. You say, well, what does that mean? It means that your life and my life is like that glove. When the grace of God is inserted into our life, it is able to carry out the very purpose for which you and I are made. When we invited Christ into our life to fill, fill our lives, we become confident and bold and able to say like, Paul, I can do anything with you. But on my own, I can't do a thing. I can't stand by myself, but I can stand with you. I don't have strength within myself, but I have strength with you in my life. You see, Paul understood that the will of God will never lead you where the grace of God will will not keep you. Now, the truth of it is, some of you are not even concerned with what the will of God is. But you have a goal. And God has that goal for your life. What is the will of God for your life? Paul made a comment in 1 Corinthians 15, which he said, For I'm the least of all the apostles. I'm not worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted the church of God. But whatever I am now, it's all because of the grace of God. It's because of the favor of God on my life. And what I do is a success, not because of who I am, but because what he wants to do in me. But if you never put it to fruitful service, what good is it? You see, Jesus didn't save you. Just so you can sit sour, soak and sour. He saved you so that you'd serve. You could be used by him. I think it's interesting because just as God used Paul, he wants to use you. Paul says in Ephesians 2 that God saved you by his special favor when you believed, when you accepted when you allow the Holy Spirit to come into your life, that's when you receive the Holy Spirit. You can't take credit for that. That was a gift from God. Verse 9 says, salvation is not a reward for the things or the good things you've done. None of us can boast about that because that's a God thing. He created us a new person In Christ. We supernaturally have been made alive in Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned a long time ago for you and me. Colossians 3 is a passage where you look into it and you either see those real in Jesus or you see the imposters. You see those that talk the talk. But they don't walk the walk. And there is a difference. By the way, that's the title of the message. Years ago, 
there was a man named Ferdinand DeMaro. He was born on December the 12th, 1921, and he died June 7th, 1972. To many, he was just another name. He taught classes in psychology. He worked as a zoologist. He served as a dean of the School of Philosophy at Pennsylvania Gannon College. He taught science at a Catholic boys' school. He did research in Seattle. He worked as a civil engineer in Yucatan. He directed a student counseling center. He taught Latin, English, and French at a high school in Maine. He served as a deputy sheriff in Washington State. He was a law student. He served as an assistant warden of a Texas prison, and he counseled terminally ill patients at the Good Samaritan Hospital at Anaheim in California. Now, you're probably thinking that Demaria was some kind of exceptionally brilliant, bright, educated, energetic-driven man. No. He was a phony. He was an imposter. He didn't even have a high school education. As a matter of fact, he was so cunning in his imposter lifestyle, they made a movie after him. Tony Curtis played in the movie called The Imposter. Possibly Demaria's boldest and greatest deception occurred in the Korean War when he posed as a lieutenant surgeon in the Royal Canadian Navy. He absorbed as much as he could from medical texts and journals and successfully operated on a dozen soldiers in the South Korean serving and South Korea during that time in service, people that were either shot and and, and harmed, and, and he, he operated on one where a bullet lodged less than an inch from the man's heart, and he received immediate fame. His name became synonymous with success. He became all known all around the world as the miracle doctor, yet all the while he was nothing more than an imposter. Are you real in Jesus? Are you just an imposter? Are you a fake? Are you a phony? Paul put it this way in Galatians 5. So I advise you to live according to your new life in the Holy Spirit. Then you won't be doing what your flesh, your old sinful self craves. Your Adamic nature loves to do evil, which we were born with, and it's the opposite of of that which the Holy Spirit wants to do with you and I. The Holy Spirit gives us desire, the desires that are opposite from the desires of our sinful flesh. These two forces are constantly fighting against each other. You were born, according to Ephesians chapter 2 and James chapter 1, in a sinful fleshly body with an Adamic nature. What does that mean? An nature that we got from Adam. Then one day you came to Jesus for salvation, and hopefully you received him, and I'm sure you all remember that particular day. Hopefully you do, how glorious it was, and what a wonderful a day, a day that it was, and it seemed like that when everything was brand new that you just couldn't sin anymore. It was gone. It was done, and I've got a new nature, but then something happens. It began to dawn on you that There was actively something involved in your life called the flesh. You were put in a fleshly temple. 
some, or I used to, I like to call it as a tent. Perhaps you found yourself drawn back in a few of the old ways that you used to do, and, and, and that doesn't make it right. It's just as wrong. But now you've got a spiritual godly counsel, uh, conscience, and you realize that there is a struggle going on. Anybody in here know what I'm talking about? Say amen about the struggle. The struggle is with your flesh. The Bible tells us in, in Galatians that the spirit is opposite of the flesh and the flesh fights against the spirit and they war in us. Who wins? I'll tell you who wins. It all depends on how you use. Your glove. You can use it for wrong. Or you can use it for that which is righteous. And not the self-righteous church of Pascagoula. Anybody ever been to Pascagoula, Mississippi? It's 10 minutes or so from where Sam Johnson lives in Ocean Springs, Mississippi, who was our first staff member here at Solid Rock. I first came and introduced Pascagoula, Mississippi when Katrina hit. And I had to go there for, uh, take some water to Mr. I think it's Mr. Harris. He was a blue hat on the emergency team. And we were taking, Josh Arnold and myself took him a, a van full of water. You see, let me tell you something according to Paul, the most important thing that you can't miss here. Are you real or are you fake? Do you really know Jesus or are you just playing, talking the talk? I wish I had the capacity to tell you, each and every one of us, or you, that you're saved or lost. I don't. I haven't met anybody who does? But I know who does know. You know. First John says you can know without a shadow of a doubt whether you obtain eternal life. Then there's a second thing that's more important than anything else that you can prove to me in the Scripture, and that is called submission. It's making Jesus Lord of your life. For you see, stopping at salvation, you will only stop part of the process. You and I are supposed to make Jesus completely in control of our life. He's supposed to be in control of your business. He's supposed to be in control of your, of, of your family. He's supposed to be in control of your life, your mind, your finances, everything that you obtain. He's to be. And if you haven't submitted to him, you're, you're a you're a Christian, but you're called a baby in Christ. If you're a believer, you're not mature. And the goal is to mature and submit to Jesus. That is, whatever Jesus says for you to do, you're supposed to do it. If he tells you to go left, you better go left. Because he knows why. <laughs> when we look at Colossians Verse 1 says, since you've been raised to a new life in and with Jesus Christ, 
Set your sights on the realities of heaven. Let heaven fill your thoughts before you didn't have the ability to do that. But Jesus in your life, now you can fill your mind with heavenly thoughts. By the way, you want to know why this Bible is so important? Because it's this what we're supposed to fill our mind with. Not the worldly teachings of this world. We're supposed to fill our minds with the word of God so we can know the will of God and the wisdom of God and the ways of God. If you don't know that, how are you going to understand all that other? It matters to me. It matters not to me what you're smart in. If you're not smart in this, you're not smart at all. Because you don't know what God wants to do with your life. Paul says, since you've been raised to a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits at the right hand of God's hand in a place of honor and power. Let all of heaven, let heaven fill your thoughts. Do not think only about the things down here on this earth, which leads to the first point. You and I have, if we're believers, the old man is dead. That's what the Bible says. You say, what does that mean? That means your nature in Adam is gone, stripped away. Well, what's left? Listen to what it says. When you look into the Word of God, you'll see when you died with Christ... When Christ died, and you, your real life now is hidden with Jesus in God. And when Christ, who is your real life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of his glory. Who are you now? What should matter now? Jesus. If Jesus don't matter to you, there's something wrong with you. It's the most important thing that you and I have ever been given. Jesus should be at the front, he should be preeminent and the first in all that we do. Unfortunately, verse 9 and 10, look at it. Colossians 3. When you and I were saved, we stripped off our old sinful nature, our old evil nature, and in its place, we, we were clothed with a brand new nature. That is constantly or continually being renewed. Listen to this. It's renewed as you learn more and more about Jesus. Well, if you're not learning more and more about Jesus, you guess what you're not being? Not being renewed. Romans 12 says by renewing of your mind. How do we renew our mind? We, we put, put our mind on heavenly stuff. This new nature is in you. It replaced your old sinful evil nature. And now you can truly say you were positioned in Christ. Well, the enemy knows that. And when you give your life to Christ, you you upset Satan. And now he's going to do everything that he possibly can to make your life miserable. I've heard people say, you know what? I was doing all right until I got saved. Now just it's tough. Things are coming against me. Well, nobody ever said or should have said that it was supposed to be easy. Satan knows how to get you. 
He knows how to trip you up. He can't, he can't rob your eternal life, but he can sure mess up your life. And he does it through our thought life. Today, verse 2 says, let heaven fill your thoughts, not the things on this earth. Did you know that psychologists tell us that the thought, tell us the thought is the father of the deed? Satan would rather get you to think wrongly than even act wrongly. The thought leads to attitude, and your attitude leads to action, and action leads to achievement. What's going on in your life depends on what you're thinking with your mind. You say, where does the Bible say that? In Proverbs 27, 23, verse 7, as a man thinks in his heart and his mind, so he is. You and I, have the, uh, uh, the, we have the privilege and the ability, and we have the power in Christ to change our mind and our way of thinking, but yet? We choose sometimes not to do that. How does Satan go about getting to it? I believe his greatest attempt is to sabotage your mind. How is he doing that today? Well, the Bible tells us in verse 5, put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. There are fleshly things lurking in your mind. You say, Mike, come on. What is that? You ever heard of, I don't know that we've ever been taught, but have you ever heard of pornography? Have you ever wondered why that is so popular today? Look what Paul calls it. Have nothing to do with sexual sins, impurity. Lust, shameful desires. You know what he's talking about? The way our world brings it down is through pornography. These kids know how to go and get it. You adults know how to get it. Not hard. You know, years ago when junk showed up on TV, the church would react. You know that? Well, just take the TV and throw it out in the yard. We're not going to watch TV no more. Boy, you're all comfortable. For you that threw your TV out, what are you doing today? We got iPads, smartphones, computers, cable. Well, after all, where, where's all this pollution coming from to pollute our mind? Over the Internet? Anybody in here? I don't, don't raise your hand. I'm just going to ask the question. Anybody in here don't have the Internet, don't have a smartphone, don't have that kind of stuff going on? Most of you are on Facebook. You're seeing junk all the time, 24-7. And some of you putting that junk out there. You tell me that our minds aren't being polluted? Now, we're going to get it onto the source of all this. We've got to go beyond the Internet. We've got to get into fiber, Cat 5, telephone wires. Is telephone wires evil? 
Is Cat5 evil? Computers aren't evil. Sometimes I think my phone's evil. <laughs> Tyler, who's working with us this summer, his daddy is a pastor up in South Carolina. He and I went to Bible college together. He don't carry a cell phone. <laughs> I said, how do you get by with that? If people couldn't get a hold of me, Y'all would go crazy. Some of you would. I'm so addicted to texting, emails. The, if I want to just make all of you, if I had all y'all, I wish I had all of you on a group text. It takes the dog on long to tell of you. I do it one at a time. I just wish I had all of you on a group text and just say, boom, get right with Jesus. Scare you to death. Because some of you be doing, how do you know? He's seeing what I'm doing. I don't see nothing. I'd mess with you. You know, pornography is spiritually and emotionally, physically poisoning. Did you know that God destroyed an entire civilization for one reason? Their thought patterns had become corrupt in Genesis 6. Only eight people got in on the ark because of a mind problem. You know, the Bible tells us that Jesus, before he returns, that men's thoughts will be like those pre-flood area. Now, how was the pre-flood area? Matthew 24, 37 says, when Jesus returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. You say, well, how was it in Noah's day? Listen to Genesis 6, 5. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of man's mind and heart were on evil continually. Now, somebody told me that junk in will produce what out? The same thing. And yet, we say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm submitted unto the Lord. I, I give my God. Jesus is Lord of my life. But yet, pornography, pollution, mind control of the enemies is going on in our lives. I'm on great. You say, well, Mike, you're not talking to me. Well, good. But many of you, I am. You know, Proverbs is a good book. And I want to read Proverbs 5. Now, it's, it, it's sort of, it sounds like that you women are always the culprits, but I, I know it's both. I know it's not just women, it's men too. And I want the youth, I'm not picking on you, I just want you to hear this. And, and, and I want the adults to hear what Proverbs 5 says about immorality. My son, or you could say my daughter, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen carefully to my wise counsel, and then you'll learn to be discreet, and you'll store up knowledge. The lips of an immoral woman are as sweet as honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But the result is a bitter as poison, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. For she does not care about the path of your life or hers. She staggers down a crooked trail and doesn't even realize where it leads. So now, my sons, listen. Listen to me. Never stray from what I'm about to say. Run! Run from her! 
It didn't say to her. From her. From him. From the boy that wants you to sell everything before you get married. And, and for the boy that says, if you love me, you will have sex with me. You know, that's not love. That's lust. Don't go near the door of her house. If you do, you will lose your honor and you will hand over to, hand over to merciless people everything you've achieved in life. Strangers will obtain your wealth. Why? Because your wife's going to kick you out. Or vice versa. And someone else will enjoy the fruit of your labor. Afterwards, you will groan in anguish when disease consumes your body. Why? Why do you not just want to have sex with anybody? You ever heard of AIDS? It's very prevalent today, by the way. It will consume your body. And you will say, if only I had not demanded my own way. Why didn't I listen to my teachers? Why didn't I pay attention to those who gave me instruction? I have come to the brink of utter ruin, and now I must face public disgrace. Drink from the water of your own well. Share your love with your wife, not your boyfriend, not your girl. That's cheap shots. Why spill the water of your springs of your springs in public and having sex with just anyone? Not supposed to. You should reserve it for yourselves and your mate when you marry. Don't share it with strangers. Have y'all not read this chapter? Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Verse 22, an evil man is held captive by his own sins. They are the ropes that catch and hold him. He will die for the lack of self-control. He will be lost because of his incredible folly. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't think that Satan don't know that, And he'll do everything he possibly can. When you're a believer, the only thing that keeps your flesh alive is the flesh you keep yourself in. Because you can walk away from it. You can say no. Remember what I said, though. It's a struggle. It's not easy. Did you know what the definition of pornography is? The commercial exploitation of sex designed to stimulate sexual excitement with with special reference to abnormalities and perversion. The word pornography comes from two Greek words, one called porn, which means a harlot or a prostitute. The word graphos means to to write or to depict graphically. It literally means to write out or graphically depict the life and the actions of a harlot and a prostitute, of which the book of Proverbs says, run like a scalded dog. Don't have anything to do with it. Yes, the floodgates have been opened. The end times are on the way. And then I would have never admitted this, but yes... The internet is bringing her in. Just like in the early days of the TV. Before that, it was a radio. 
Radio's not evil. TV's not evil. Your phones are not evil. It's the evil that you can choose to slip your hand in or deny. As a believer, you have the power to say no. Not going to be... Not going to be played as a second fiddle. Not going to be used merchandise. I'm going to take a stand for who? Jesus. He calls for holiness. He is holy. Not just sexual sins, though. It's social sins. Look at verse 8 and 9. He talks about anger. What's anger? There's some of you right now in here, if you bump you the wrong way, I'll knock your lights out. Why? Because you're burning in anger. Why? You need an anger management. Who is that anger management? It's the Holy Spirit. Now, I used to when I was young. I'll never forget. I got mad. It was our first year of marriage. I was so mad. I was spitting fire. And it was all because of something stupid. Cindy looked at me and she said, we don't act like that in the house. I do. She said, take it outside. I went, I kicked everything I could find. Dogs, cats, anything's in the way. Why? Because I had anger in my heart. Some of you, when you talk, you can see the anger on you. Why do you collect? You know you can let it go, right? Walk right away from it. No, I can't. <laughs> yes, you can. I was the most angry. I was very angry. I'd fight you. I'm just a, I like what Blanda used to say. I'm a little piece of leather, but I'm well put together. I'll fight you. You might kill me. I don't care. When I was, when I was young, I, I, it didn't matter. I don't care how big you were. I don't care how. I just figured the bigger you were, the harder you'd fall. I like what Josh says. And by the way, you need to tell me about that fight, son. I didn't know about that one. <laughs> when he got up, did I win? <laughs> I, 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 he didn't tell me about that one. There's probably a lot he hadn't told me. Just keep it to yourself. I don't want to know no more. <laughs> he mentions wrath. It's the sin of, of playing God. We are called in the house of God to bear fruit, not to inspect it. You're to bear it. Who do you think you are to be a fruit inspector anyway? God didn't call you to be no fruit inspector. He is the inspector. And he's good at it. Just let sin creep in. You just fool around in all that sin I've been talking about and see what happens. See if he don't slide on in and say, okay, mister, you're saved. I'm going to give you a chance to repent here. It might take a Mississippi <laughs> like a weed eater to get in your drawers. Yeah. He knows how to get it done. I ain't talking about Ray Stevens. I'm talking about Jesus. Colossians 2 says, second of all, we have a new nature. We are new people in Christ. We are alive in Him. Philippians 4, 7, Paul says, The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. 
All of you know, if you've ever coached the old football adage that says, if the one that wins the game is the team that controls the line of scrimmage. You want to know who wins? The one that controls the mind and the heart. You want to straighten out your life? You better straighten out your thinking. Look, the Father knows and Jesus knows that the battle that you and I fight and the ground is our minds. What are you reading? What are you putting in your mind? What are you studying? Or are you just kind of letting your mind grow up and be mush? The devil is interested in your mind. Why? Because if he can control your mind... He'll control what you do. And and remember, the Bible says he wants to control us. The Holy Spirit wants to control. He wants to use us. He wants to uh, allow us to do those things for him. There was a a woman, I close with this, went to a psychiatrist, and and she told the psychiatrist, doctor, my my husband needs some help. He said, what's wrong with him? He said, he thinks he's a racehorse. The doctor said, well, how do you know that? He said, well, he wants to live in a stable. He wants to walk around on all fours, and then he eats hay all day. The doctor said, well, I sure, I'm sure I can cure him, but it'll take a long time. It's going to cost you a tremendous amount of money. She said, don't worry about the money. He's already won two races. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, what have you traded for in your life and in your mind? Let me tell you what this world will do. It will trash your marriage. All the stuff that I've talked about this morning, you can't love your wife with the, need, with the necessary love that you need to have if your mind's elsewhere and your heart's not in the harmony of the relationship. You can't tell your kids what to do right if you're not doing right. My mama used to look at me and say, Son! You better quit smoking. I said, when you quit smoking, I will. She said, what do you mean? I said, I'm getting my cigarettes from your butts in the ashtray. I ain't got no money. My daddy said, you better not drink. I said, well, you keep bringing the liquor in the house. And I said, it's upstairs. I get it and put water in it. You must not drink it. No, because it's about all water anyway. Parents, don't tell your kids what to do. If you're doing the same thing, you tell them not to do. They need to see something consistent. You're not perfect, but, but you can be consistent. Church isn't going to mean anything to you, or you're never going to have come to the fruitful service of it when your mind's trashed out on the world. Why don't you... Truth it up in Jesus. Your kids need a spiritual model. And I can tell you what you're not doing. If your mind's on the world, you're not telling people about Jesus because you don't care. You're embarrassed. You're feeding your stuff on stuff that's of the flesh. It's awful quiet in here. Heads bowed.